0: Good morning. Merry Christmas. Hope y'all are having a, a great Christmas season so far, and I hope what happens here today will will be something that will just kind of top off everything that you've been thinking about already and everything you've been uh, looking forward to. I am so excited that you're here today. Uh, you're here on a very special day because we're going to celebrate, in just a little while, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Some of you uh, maybe grew up in a tradition where this was called Holy Communion or, or something else, but, uh, but it's, it's a celebration of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And it's appropriate that we do that today, even as we celebrate his birth, that we go ahead and look forward to what his birth led to, which was his death on a cross, his resurrection and his victory over sin. And so uh, that's, that's what we're doing today, and so I'm, I'm so glad you're here. We're, uh, we've, we've been in a series of messages uh, this whole month based on one verse of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And, and this, this was a Scripture that was, uh, that was written by a man named Isaiah, a prophet of God, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. But it was talking about him. And uh, let me read it to you, and it says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today we're talking about that Jesus came to be our Prince of Peace. The word peace is is like many other words in our vocabulary. It has a lot of different meanings to different people. Obviously when, when you hear peace, one of the first things you think of is you think about no war or no conflict among nations. And that's especially on the minds of us in, in our country today because there's probably not a one of you in here that don't know at least one person who in the last eight to nine years has had to go to Iraq or Afghanistan. And, and I, I know people that are over there serving right now, and you probably do too, and they're going to miss Christmas with their families. And so when we think of the word peace, that comes to our mind. But peace, peace can mean a lot of things. To, to a parents of a newborn child, peace means Five interrupted, uninterrupted hours of sleep. You know, that, that's peace to, to, the, to the parents of a newborn. Or, or peace to the parents of a teenager means a great report car, card and no boy-girl drama going on. Or, or peace to a, a student. If you're still in school, peace to you means Christmas break and not having to deal with teachers. Or if you're a teacher, peace means Christmas break and not having to deal with students. So peace, peace can mean a, a, lot of, a lot of things to, to a lot of different people. But, but the, this, this verse here, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and all of the Old Testament were written in the, in, in the language of Hebrew. And I'm sure that many of you are probably can read Hebrew and are fluent in Hebrew. Uh, so you probably already know this, but uh, no, chances are none of you are, and I'm not either. But, but one of the things I know is that the, the word peace in Hebrew is a word that you've probably heard before. It's a word shalom. You've probably heard that, especially if you have friends, Jewish friends. uh, You've probably heard the word shalom before, and they will, folks who grew up in the Jewish tradition, they will greet each other with that greeting. They will say shalom to each other, and it means peace. But but it just it doesn't just mean peace as in an absence of war or an absence of conflict. The word shalom has a has a rich, deep meaning that that means harmony and wholeness and health, and it it has a meaning of of, of peace that goes beyond anything that, that we can comprehend, a peace that, that is, is consistent when, when things are good and, and when things are bad. Shalom is not bound by circumstances. It's, it's peace when all goes as planned, and it's peace when the plan falls apart. And so when Isaiah said that Jesus was going to come and be our prince of peace, It didn't mean that there would never be any more war. It didn't mean that that you would never have an argument with someone. It meant that no matter what your circumstances are, that you would be completely under control and grounded by the love of God and in the the fullness of who Christ is. Now, there's an enemy to peace. And this enemy to peace is something that we all struggle with. The, The enemy to peace is sin. See, sin separates us from God, and, and peace only comes from God. And so if sin separates us from Him, then it obviously is going to get, put us in a state where there is no peace. That's where disharmony comes from. That's where uh, where we feel incomplete with life. All of those things come from sin. And, and, and with this sin, it, it is such a, a damaging thing that it actually makes us enemies of God. Romans 5.10 says this, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? For if when we were God's enemies. That's what sin does. is It makes us enemies to the God who loves us, to the God who created us. But what Jesus came to do Jesus came to be our prince of peace. He came to restore peace. He came so that we could be reconciled, just like Romans 5.10 says, we could be reconciled to God. Where we once were separated, we could be brought back together. And that only comes from Jesus. You see... The word peace is all through the story of Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6 that we just read, that was hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And it says there that he will be our prince of peace. And then if you go to Luke two fourteen 14 that, that, that Blake just read a while ago, the last part of the, the message that the angel said to the shepherds, it said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. So Jesus was all about peace. And then he lived his life. And then after he was crucified and after he came back from the dead, the very first thing he said to his disciples, that he he had been in the tomb for three days, he comes back, the first thing he says when he sees them in John twenty nineteen, he says, peace be with you. Jesus came to bring us peace. So that in the midst of everything that goes on, when the car payment is past due, when the you get a bad report at the doctor that you thought was going to be good, when your kids do stupid stuff, when your parents are getting on your nerves, when your boss is going to fire you because you deserve it, when your boss is going to fire you because you don't deserve it, whatever is going on, we can have peace because we can be reconciled to God. And all of the Christmas story, is that's what it's about. The shepherd, the stables, the star, the animals, the manger, the wise men, the gifts, all of that stuff that we celebrate, it was leading us to peace. Peace with God. We no longer have to be enemies of God. But this peace, it came at a high price. Because for Jesus to be the Prince of Peace, it required him to sacrifice himself. It required him to willingly go to the cross and be nailed to it and die for us. Isaiah also talked about that. It's amazing. Isaiah lived hundreds of years before Jesus. Not only did he predict his birth, not only did he tell us who he was going to be, but he also talked about his death. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6 says this. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows The punishment that brought us peace was on him. He came to be our prince of peace. And he did that. He accomplished it. He made it possible for us to be reconciled to God by the cross and by the resurrection. And we're going to remember that today. We're going to celebrate that. And why do we do this? Well, because he told us to. The night before Jesus died, he, he gathered his, his disciples around him and, and they took bread and they took wine and they, they, they ate that and they enjoyed a time of fellowship together. And Jesus said to them as they were doing that, he said, after I leave you, after I go back into heaven, you continue to do this and when you do it, every time you do it, you remember me. Remember the sacrifice that I'm going to make. Remember the cross. Remember the grave. Remember the resurrection. And that's what we're going to do today. This is a special time. What I want you to do, I'm going to pray in just a moment. And after I pray, as soon as I'm done praying, some men are going to bring you some bread to take and you just take you a piece of that. This is open for everyone who's a follower of Jesus. You don't have to be a, a part of our church. You can be part of another church. But if you call yourself a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been reconciled to God by the peace of Jesus that he brings through the cross, you can participate with us today in this. What I want you to do as we get ready, I'm going to pray, and the Scripture talks about that when we come to the table, that we need to come with our hearts prepared. And so as I pray, you just pray along with me. Examine your heart, confess sin, get rid of bitterness, and come ready to celebrate the death of Jesus, His victory over sin and that it all started in a stable, and that he's done that for us. Let's pray together. Father God, the enormity of your sacrifice is just overwhelming to me. When I think about how sinful I am, how much I fall short of what you want me to be, and that you still died for me, I can only say thank you. Help all of us today to remember you in the way you would want us to. Help us to honor you in our hearts as we take the bread and as we take the cup. We love you because you first loved us. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.